Chapter Two of the Armourers' Prentices. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. The Armourers' Prentices by Charlotte M. Young. Chapter Two: The Grange of Silksteed. All Itchin's Valley lay, St. Catherine's breezy side, and the woodlands far away, the huge cathedral sleeping in venerable gloom, the modest college tower, and the beadsman's Norman home. Lord Selborne. Very early in the morning, even according to the habits of the time, were Stephen and Ambrose Birkenholt astir. They were full of ardour to enter on the new and unknown world beyond the forest, and much as they loved it, any change that kept them still to their altered life would have been distasteful nurse joan asking no questions folded up their fardels on their backs and packed their wallets for their day's journey with ample provision she charged them to be good lads to say their pater credo and ave daily and never omit mass on a sunday they kissed her like their mother and promised heartily and stephen took his crossbow they had had some hope of setting forth so early as to avoid all other human farewells except that ambrose wished to begin by going to beaulieu to take leave of the father who had been his kind master and get his blessing and counsel but beaulieu was three miles out of their way and stephen had not the same desire being less attached to his schoolmaster and more afraid of hindrances being thrown in their way moreover contrary to their expectation the elder brother came forth and declared his intention of setting them forth on their way bestowing a great amount of good advice to the same purpose as that of nurse joan namely that they should let their uncle richard birkenholt find them some employment at winchester where they or at least ambrose might even obtain admission into the famous college of st mary in fact this excellent elder brother persuaded himself that it would be doing them an absolute wrong to keep such promising youths hidden in the forest the purpose of his going thus far with them made itself evident it was to see them pass the turning to beaulieu no doubt he wished to tell the story in his own way and that they should not present themselves there as orphans expelled from their father's house it would sound much better that he had sent them to ask counsel of their uncle at winchester the fit person to take charge of them and as he represented that to go to beaulieu would lengthen their day's journey so much that they might hardly reach winchester that night while all stephen's wishes were to go forward ambrose could only send his greetings there was another debate over spring who had followed his master as usual john uttered an exclamation of vexation at perceiving it and bade stephen drive the dog back or give me the leash to drag him he will never follow me he goes with us said stephen he thou'lt never have the folly the old hound is half blind and past use no man will take thee in with him after thee then they shall not take me in said stephen i'll not leave him to be hanged by thee who spoke of hanging him thy wife will soon if she hath not already thou wilt be for hanging him thyself ere you have made a day's journey with him on the king's highway which is not like these forest paths i would have thee to know why he limps already then i'll carry him says stephen doggedly what hast thou to say to that device ambrose asked john appealing to the elder and wiser 
but ambrose only answered i'll help and as john had no particular desire to retain the superannuated hound and preferred on the whole to be spared sentencing him no more was said on the subject as they went along until all john's stock of good counsel had been lavished on his brother's impatient ears he bade them farewell and turned back to the lodge and they struck away along the woodland pathway which they had been told led to winchester though they had never been thither nor seen any town save southampton and romsey at long intervals on they went sometimes through beech and oak woods or noble almost primeval forests but more often across tracts of holly underwood illuminated here and there with the snowy garlands of the wild cherry and beneath with wide spaces covered with young green bracken whose soft irregular masses on the undulating ground had somewhat the effect of the waves of the sea these alternated with stretches of yellow gorse and brown heather sheets of cotton grass and pools of white crowfoot and all the vegetation of a mountainside only that the mountain was not there the brothers looked with eyes untaught to care for beauty but with a certain love of the home scenes tempered by youth's impatience for something new the nightingales sang the thrushes threw out before them the wild duck and moorhen glanced on the pools here and there they came on the furrows left by the snout of the wild swine and in the open tracts rose the graceful heads of the deer but of inhabitants or travellers they scarce saw any save when they halted at the little hamlet of minestead where a small alehouse was kept by one will perkis who claimed descent from the charcoal burner who had carried william rufus's corpse to burial at winchester the one fact in history known to all new foresters though perhaps ambrose and john were the only persons beyond the walls of beaulieu who did not suppose the affair to have taken place in the last generation a draught of ale and a short rest were welcomed as the heat of the day came on making the old dog plod wearily on with his tongue out so that stephen began to consider whether he should indeed have to be his bearer a serious matter for the creature at full length measured nearly as much as he did they met hardly any one and they and spring were alike too well known and trained for difficulties to arise as to leading a dog through the forest should they ever come to the term of the forest it was not easy to tell when they were really beyond it for the ground was much of the same kind only the smooth treeless hills where they had always been told winchester lay seemed more defined and they saw no more deer but here and there were enclosures where wheat and barley were growing and black timbered farmhouses began to show themselves at intervals herd boys as rough and unkempt as their charges could be seen looking after little tawny cows black-faced sheep or spotted pigs with curs which barked fiercely at poor weary spring even as their masters were more disposed to throw stones than to answer questions by and by on the further side of a green valley could be seen buildings with an encircling wall of flint and mortar faced with ruddy brick the red dark tiled roofs rising among walnut trees and an orchard in full bloom spreading into a long green field winchester must be nigh the sun is getting low said stephen we will ask the good folk will at least give us an answer said ambrose wearily as they reached the gate a team of plough horses was passing in led by a peasant lad while a lay brother with his gown tucked up rode sideways on one whistling 
an augustinian monk ruddy burly and sunburnt stood in the farmyard to receive an account of the day's work and doffing his cap ambrose asked whether winchester were near three mile or there away my good lad said the monk thou'lt see the towers and ye mount the hill whence art thou he added looking at the two young strangers scholars the college elects not yet awhile we be from the forest so please your reverence and are bound for hyde abbey where our uncle master richard birkenholt dwells and oh sir added stephen may we crave a drop of water for our dog the monk smiled as he looked at spring who had flung himself down to take advantage of the halt hanging out his tongue and panting spasmodically a noble beast he said of the windsor breed is not then laying his hand on the graceful head poor old hound thou art o'er-travelled he is aged for such a journey if you came from the forest since morn twelve years at least i should say by his muzzle your reverence is right said stephen he is twelve years old he is two years younger than i am and my father gave him to me when he was a little whelp so thou must needs take him to seek thy fortune with thee said the good-natured augustinian not knowing how truly he spoke come in my lads here's a drink for him what said you was your uncle's name and as ambrose repeated it birkenholt living on a corridor at high ay ay my lads i have to call to winchester to-morrow you'd best tarry the night here at silksteed grange and fare forward with me the tired boys were heartily glad to accept the invitation more especially as spring happy as he was with the trough of water before him seemed almost too tired to stand over it and after the first tried to lap lying down silksteed was not a regular convent only a grange or farmhouse presided over by one of the monks with three or four lay brethren under him and a little colony of hinds in the surrounding cottages to cultivate the farm and tend a few cattle and numerous sheep the special care of the augustinians father shoveller as the good-natured monk who had received the travellers was called took them into the spacious but homely chamber which served as refectory kitchen and hall he called to the lay brother who was busy over the open hearth to fry a few more rashers of bacon and after they had washed away the dust of their journey at the trough where spring had slaked his thirst they sat down with him to a hearty supper which smacked more of the grange than of the monastery spread on a large solid oak table and washed down with good ale the repast was shared by the lay brethren and farm servants and also by two or three big sheep-dogs who had to be taught their manners towards spring there was none of the formality that ambrose was accustomed to at Bewley in the great refectory where no one spoke but one of the brethren read aloud some theological book from a stone pulpit in the wall here brother shoveller conversed without stint chiefly with the brother who seemed to be a kind of bailiff with whom he discussed the sheep that were to be taken into market the next day and the prices to be given for them by either the college the castle or the butchers of boucher row he however found time to talk to the two guests and being sprung from a family in the immediate neighbourhood he knew the verdurer's name and ere he was a monk had joined in the chase in the forest there was a little oratory attached to the hall where he and the lay brethren kept the hours to a certain degree putting two or three services into one on a liberal interpretation of laborare est orare 
Ambrose's response made their host observe as they went out, Thou hast thy Latin pat, my son. There's the making of a scholar in thee. Then they took their first night's nice rest away from home, in a small guest chamber, with a good bed, though bare in all other respects. Brother Shoveller likewise had a cell to himself, but the lay brethren slept promiscuously among their sheep dogs on the floor of the refectory. All were afoot in the early morning, and Stephen and Ambrose were awakened by the tumultuous bleatings of the flock of sheep that were being driven from their fold to meet their fate at Winchester Market. They heard Brother Shoveller shouting his orders to the shepherds in tones a great deal more like those of a farmer than of a monk, and they made haste to dress themselves and join him as he was muttering a morning abbreviation of his obligatory devotions in the oratory, observing that they might be in time to hear mass at one of the city churches, but the sheep might delay them, and they had best break their fast ere starting. It was Wednesday, a day usually kept as a moderate fast, so the breakfast was of oatmeal porridge, flavoured with honey, and washed down with mead, after which Brother Shoveller mounted his mule, a sleek creature, whose long ears had an air of great contentment, and rode off, accommodating his pace to that of his young companions, up a stony cart-track, which soon led them to the top of a chalk down, whence, as in a map, they could see Winchester, surrounded by its walls, lying in a hollow between the smooth green hills. At one end rose the castle, its fortifications covering its own hill. Beneath, in the valley, the long, low, massive cathedral, the college buildings, and tower with its pinnacles, and nearer at hand, among the trees, the almshouse of noble poverty at St. Cross, beneath the round hill of St. Catherine. Churches and monastic buildings stood thickly in the town, and indeed, Brother Shoveller said, shaking his head, that they were well nigh as many churches as folk to go to them. The place was decayed since the time he remembered when Prince Arthur was born there. Hyde Abbey he could not show them from where they stood, as it lay further off by the riverside, having been removed from the neighbourhood of the Minster, because the brethren of St. Grimbold could not agree with those of St. Swithin's, belonging to the minster as indeed their buildings were so close together that it was hardly possible to pass between them and their bells jangled in each other's ears brother shoveller did not seem to entertain a very high opinion of the monks of st grimbold and he asked the boys whether they were expected there no they said tidings of their father's death had been sent by one of the woodmen and the only answer that had been returned was that Master Richard Birkenholt was ill at ease, and would have masses said for his brother's soul. Hm, said the Augustinian ominously, but at that moment they came up with the sheep, and his attention was wholly absorbed by them, as he joined the lay brothers in directing the shepherds who were driving them across the downs, steering them over the high ground, towards the arched west gate close to the royal castle. The street sloped rapidly down, and Brother Shoveller conducted his young companions between the overhanging houses, with stalls between serving as shops, till they reached the open space round the market cross, on the steps of which women sat with baskets of eggs, butter, and poultry, raised above the motley throng of cattle and sheep, with their dogs and drivers, the various cries of man and beast forming an incongruous accompaniment to the bells of the churches that surrounded the market-place. Citizens' wives in hood and wimple were there, shrilly bargaining for provision 
for their households squires and grooms in quest of hay for their masters stables purveyors seeking food for the garrison lay brethren and sisters for the convents and withal the usual margin of begging friars wandering gleemen jugglers and peddlers though in no great numbers as this was only a wednesday market day not a fair ambrose recognized one or two who made part of the crowd at beaulieu only two days previously when he had seen through tears the juggler leap and the jingling tune one of them was playing on a rebeck brought back associations of almost unbearable pain happily father shoveller having seen his sheep safely bestowed in a pen bethought him of bidding the lay brother in attendance show the young gentleman the way to hyde abbey and turning up a street at right angles to the principal one they were soon out of the throng it was a lonely place with a decayed uninhabited appearance and brother peter told them it had been the jewry whence good king edward had banished all the unbelieving dogs of jews and where no one chose to dwell after them soon they came in sight of a large extent of monastic buildings partly of stone but the more domestic offices of flint and brick or mortar large meadows stretched away to the banks of the itchin with cattle grazing in them but in one was a set of figures to whom the lay brother pointed with a laugh of exulting censure longbows exclaimed stephen who be they brethren of st grimbold sir such rule doth my lord of hyde keep mitred abbot though he be they say the good bishop has called him to order but what recks he of bishops good day brother pulpit here be two young kinsmen of master birkenholt to visit him and so benedicite fair sirs st austin's grace be with you through a gate between two little red octagonal towers brother bulpet led the two visitors and called to another of the monks benedicite father seagram here be two striplings wanting speech of old birkenholt looking after dead man's shoes i trow muttered father seagram with a sour look at the lads as he led them through the outer court where some fine horses were being groomed and then across a second court surrounded with a beautiful cloister with flower beds in front of it here on a stone bench in the sun clad in a gown furred with rabbit skin sat a decrepit old man both his hands clasped over his staff into his deaf ears their guide shouted these boys say they are your kindred master birkenholt anan said the old man trembling with palsy the lads knew him to be older than their father but they were taken by surprise at such feebleness and the monk did not aid them only saying roughly there he is tell your errand how fares it with you uncle ventured ambrose who be ye i know none of you muttered the old man shaking his head still more we are ambrose and stephen from the forest shouted ambrose ah steve poor stevie the accursed boar has rent his goodly face so as i would never have known him poor steve bess's soul the old man began to weep while his nephews recollected that they had heard that another uncle had been slain by the tusk of a wild boar in early manhood then to their surprise his eyes fell on spring and calling the hound by name he caressed the creature's head spring poor spring stevie's faithful old dog hast lost thy master wilt follow me now he was thinking of a spring as well as of a stevie of sixty years ago 
and he babbled on for how many fawns were in the queen's bower this summer and who had best shot at the butts at lyndhurst as if he were excited by the breath of his native forest but there was no making him understand that he was speaking with his nephews the name of his brother john only set him repeating that john loved the greenwood and would be content to take poor stevie's place and dwell in the verdurer's lodge but that he himself ought to be abroad he had seen brave lord talbot's ships ready at southampton john might stay at home but he would win fame and honour in gascony and while he thus wandered and the boys stood by perplexed and distressed brother seagrim came back and said so young sirs have you seen enough of your doting kinsman the sub-prior bids me say that we harbour no strange idling lubber lads nor strange dogs here tis enough for us to be saddled with dissolute old men-at-arms without all their idle kin making an excuse to come and pay their devoirs these corridors are a heavy charge and a weighty abuse and if there be the visitation the king's majesty speaks of they will be one of the first matters to be amended wherewith stephen and ambrose found themselves walked out of the cloister of st grimbold and the gates shut behind them End of chapter 2